0: Listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics, and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 326. I'm your host, András Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann.
1: See Stock. Hello. Hey, San, hey, San. Are you fans of Excel? As in Microsoft Excel. Of course.
0: Um, I don't Excel in Excel, I'm afraid.
2: <laughs> it's my biggest hobby. Yeah, yeah.
0: Why would you ask? Because you're yeah, teaching.
1: I, yeah, exactly. I'm <laughs> pretending to Excel in Excel. So I've just had a first of two days online, tut- uh, not tutoring, training of, yeah. uh, I think, about 20 to 25 people online. And it is exhausting, but very fun. So but mm-hmm. I okay. have uh, so I must apologize a little bit in advance here because I have not had time to read up on all the subjects that I was supposed to read up on but I will contribute uh, as much as <laughs> I can. <laughs>
0: okay. I wouldn't have thought that I would ever hear the words fun and excel in the same sentence. It is. <laughs> but uh, actually very okay.
1: it's fun. It's very very fun.
0: Yeah, I would like to be an expert <laughs> in it and know yeah. enough of it so that I can see the fun in working with it. <laughs> okay. But I usually don't have to do too many very fancy, sophisticated things <laughs> with it. So I just stick with uh, numbers on a, on my Mac. So uh, I'll give you a course when the time comes. Good.
2: Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right.
0: Talking about a course. well. A very interesting course of actions took place recently, but just a couple of days ago, over the weekend. That was the Eurovision Song Contest, right? Mm. So uh, did you follow that?
1: Mm, well, didn't follow it, but I couldn't help noticing who won. What a surprise, right? Yeah, Yeah,
0: it wasn't that much of a surprise. So at the beginning, before the popular vote, because obviously there are referees and uh, they comment on the performances and stuff and they, they give out points as well, but... Obviously the most important thing is when the public votes on who they want to give the most of the points. And that's how the song Stefania or Stefania or I, I, sorry I don't don't know how to pronounce something it something like that. Yeah, sung by the Kalush Orchestra from Ukraine well got the lead so they <laughs> they took the lead and won the whole contest by not too much but uh, unfortunately the uk lost to them not with too many points i have to say that's still a good thing but <laughs> i saw on twitter sean slater our friend from uh, edinburgh <gasps> tweeting about it as it was happening it was very funny He he said losing to ukraine Now we know how Putin feels. (laughs) Well, yeah. (laughs) That's
1: right. Putin wasn't happy about the results either. I'm sure.
0: Well, he can go fuck himself. So that was a fun, (laughs) that was a fun treat, Sean. I replied. It's less embarrassing in their case, some I in in the UK's case. <laughs> yeah. So uh, mm. I absolutely loved it. I think they were they were very nice about it. Everyone's saying that um, every kind of victory for Ukraine is in order for now. So they appreciate it all. Even uh, the president Zelensky issued them a video message. So congratulations
1: to the ukrainian team very much so russia didn't appreciate it though they called out for a disqualification of the ukraine song because it was political or they had uttered some political message in between and that's Mm. against
2: the rules you know what else is against the rules (laughs) just
1: invading (laughs) neighboring countries without any excuse
0: that's right but the interesting thing about this is that every year, it's a rule. To, speaking of rules, it's a rule for the Eurovision Song Contest for the winner of this year to host the next contest. Yeah, oh I was my. thinking so, about that too. Oh, I didn't think of that. And the interesting thing was that Psyuk, who's the leader of the band, I, I believe, he said that next year's Eurovision Song Contest will be hosted in the besieged, currently besieged city of Mariupol.
1: Oh my
0: so, god. Uh, that's it's a bold statement it's a very bold thing to say but we would all love to see mariupol being left alone by the russians and uh, build back up again and uh, be able to host the next eurovision song contest so
1: yeah yeah Yeah. interesting okay interesting so the eurovision song contest right the ESC I know Mm -hmm. another ESC, another event (laughs) that I think everybody should attend and we will attend. And that is, of course, the European Skeptics Congress in Vienna on the 9th to the 11th of September. Be there Mm -hmm. or be square. It's (laughs) going to be fantastic. So many fantastic speakers coming and we are coming as well. So you go there and meet us. Have a good time. There's a fantastic dinner. Do sign up for the dinner. It's going to be a blast.
2: We have fantastic mm-hmm. speakers too.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we are, all three of us, are on the panel that will actually kick out the whole event, which is the Skeptical Movement in Europe, hosted by uh, Claire Klingenberg, who's uh, the chair of EXO. And we will try to do a live recording at that panel stay tuned for that as well don't miss that yeah don't miss that but the best thing to do about it is to be there in person go on the website you will find it on show notes the, the link of obviously so uh, and by the way we got that comment that it's a little bit misleading that it says sign up because it, it sounds a little bit like uh, you have to sign up for like a, a later notification or something like that don't get misled by that you can register by hitting the button sign up now
2: yeah. And something I signed up for five years ago was GSOW. <laughs> <gasps> Congratulations. Really? Nice. Yeah. Really it's nice. This pretty much on the month uh, five years ago. It was in 17. It's pretty cool because I listened to Susan talking about GSOW on this show, on this very show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and yeah, That's now fantastic. it's already
2: five years ago. It's crazy. <laughs> okay.
1: For, for new listeners, will you describe what GSOW is?
2: Yes, GSRW stands for Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia, and it's a grassroots organization aiming to edit Wikipedia to scientific and skeptical standards. And of course, we are very, like, we, we want world domination. <laughs> no, that was sarcasm. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, but Susan Gerbig founded that organization, and she always says it's it's very important to educate the world with Wikipedia, because it's the first thing people usually visit, I always use the example of black self because if you Google black self in English, then you get the Wikipedia page, black self. And with one gaze, you like with one look, you can already see, Oh, it's alternative medicine. It's like a pseudo medicine. Whereas mm-hmm. if you Google it in German, you don't get that because the Wikipedia page for that doesn't exist yet. Ooh. But what you get is like here. You can buy black salve here and here, and here.
1: And don't buy black salve. Don't, people.
2: don't, because that's uh
1: dangerous.
2: Dangerous, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, just to show you how, how awesome that is and how much of an impact it has. So far, I've only written three pages or highly edited. So like you can see I didn't really do much because I pretty much used GSOW as a stepping stone, so to say, for other <laughs> other activism like Skeptic Inquirer, like this show, like my activism in German GWUP. But I wrote three pages. As I said, I improved Lydia Benneke's English page and I wrote Home Homeless page and Anna Tagrison's page. Mm. And in this five years I already got seventy four thousand clicks on that. Only on these two, three pages. And mm-hmm. that's just showing how much of an impact it has. And just imagine if I would have written more pages, how much that would be. And I want to finish my my little um blast from the past <laughs> with just saying again that Susan is always super happy to to welcome new editors in any mm-hmm. kind of language. It doesn't matter if you're like an English speaker or a German or French or Polish or whatever. She welcomes everyone. So we'll definitely will be happy to hear um if you're joining GSRW and mm-hmm. um susan always says just text her on on facebook and she'll be happy to have you yeah
0: that's great yeah but if you're not willing to do that like just just out of the blue just like that then you can contact us and yes. we can make the connection as exactly. well. exactly absolutely
2: yeah Super happy to.
0: Good. Great. The only thing that you need to have is a good understanding of English because the training and everything. So if even if you haven't ever edited Wikipedia, you will be able to help out the group, the team, because Susan will will give you a full training. So full training is provided and it's absolutely amazing. It's a, It's a really cool team as well. So there is some team activities going on online as well. So do sign up. Really good. Yes. All right, but we have a show to produce here, so uh, why don't we start with the usual opening segment, which is Twish, also known as This Week in Skeptical History. And this week we are celebrating a birthday, the birthday of someone from Austria who unfortunately passed away. Uh, A couple of years ago, like um, almost seven years ago. It's unbelievable. His name was Heinz Oberhummer. And he was a physicist and a well-known skeptic in the German-speaking world. In my understanding, at least. Annika, correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Yes. Mm -hmm. But he was an amazing guy. He uh, got fascinated at an early age with everything up in the sky. So he wanted to reveal the secrets of the stars and how the stars work. And he ended up being a nuclear physicist with a special interest in astrophysics and uh, nuclear astrophysics. Astrophysics became his field. He was a a very good innovator as well. He was an amazing science communicator and uh, he worked with people on things like um, something that we call the triple alpha process. That is an amazing thing, which is when carbon 12 atoms are being produced in stars, in red giant stars. And carbon-12 is extremely important for us because it's the basic building blocks of life are made of carbon-12 atoms, okay? So all the carbon chains of all the uh, organic materials, all the organic molecules are made of carbon-12. It has very special characteristics that allow that to happen and he wanted to reveal the secrets of that happening. He once met uh, Stephen Hawking as well, and they were having a good time based on the photographs that are available online. But from a skeptical point of view, it's not necessarily his scientific work, but his science education work that is very important. He was an amazing science communicator, and he decided to go for something that is a new way of science popularization with science meeting comedy. That was the project called Science Busters and it went on for a long, long time and um it was on TV. They were featured a lot on radio. They had a podcast in the Austrian youth radio station FM4 and um, when he died, in his name, they came up with a prize, the uh, Heinz Oberhumer Award for Science Communication or Heinz Oberhumer Award für Wissenschaftskommunikation
2: (laughs) I love that word because it's
0: long it's a typically long German word Yes,
2: Wissenschaftskommunikation
0: (laughs) and it sounds good Wissenschaftskommunikation and uh, (laughs) the year after his death James Rendy was the first to receive the prize actually the Heinz Oberhimmel Award don't only um, recognize activities in science communication, but also in skeptical activism. And he was an important person in the German-speaking skeptical movement as well, because <laughs> he was a member of GWP, Gesellschaft zur Wissenschaftlichen Untersuchung von Parawissenschaften.
2: Yeah. Ole! <laughs> 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 and uh,
0: he was also president of gesellschaft für kritisches denken is it the association for critical thinking is that is that what it translates yeah. to so it's a branch of giving pay my understanding is that correct ish (laughs) it's like the the austrian the austrian it it kind of is but it also
2: kind of isn't it's yeah it's a bit of a subgroup but it's also like they also have their own thing so like it's maybe like a brother organization
0: okay anyhow he was a well-known secularist as well he was an important person in the initiative called religion is a private matter he was an absolutely amazing person from a skeptical point of view, as well as being an amazing scientist. We talked on this show about the the award named after him as well, especially when 2020, Nguyen Kim, she's a German chemist and YouTuber, uh, got the award. And the coronavirus update got the award last year. So, uh, yeah. yeah. We can't wait to see who gets the award this year. And the award ceremony usually takes place on the day of his death on the 24th of November. We will have to stay tuned for that. So let's celebrate the fact that Heinz Oberhumer, an amazing person, has walked on Earth for 74 years and gave a lot to the world, both from a scientific and a skeptical point of view.
2: Hear, here. Yes.
0: So don't forget that on the 19th. But then we are moving on to finding out what Pontus has to poke
1: the Pope for. Yes, uh, well, I'll see what I can do with this. There's been a lot of things happening and I have been very busy. So I haven't read up on all of these things, but there are some developments. The first thing is I've been talking about what some people call the trial of the century. Uh, which is the trial against Cardinal Angelo Becciu, who was involved and some say responsible for a very failed real estate affair or deal in London, where they bought a Harrods building, former Harrods building, and wanted to re- build it into an apartment thing and then they sort of fumbled it and they had to get out of the, the deal and lost hundreds of millions of euro on the deal and now he's on trial together with some other people but he's the main character there for having done reckless things and also embezzled some funds that were supposed to be well going elsewhere now, hmm. that that trial has been on hold off and on for, I think, almost a year. And now there are new developments, and it is the return of Cardinal Pell, believe it or not. We all remember Cardinal not Pell. To, not to Australia, is it? Yeah, well, he <laughs> is back in Rome because he okay. needs to finish up some affairs. Cardinal Pell, for those who don't know was accused first for covering up some sex abuse and then also for being guilty of sex abuse as well, back in Australia. And he had to go back into Australia to face trial. First, it was a hung jury. Then he was convicted. Then he spent over a year in jail. And then the Supreme Court in Australia overturned the, the thing. So now he's free and up and about again. Very strange story. Who knows what's going on? But he used to be the financial head honcho of the Vatican. And so he was sort of involved when this affair happened, this real estate affair happened. And he has a history of being very much, um, I wouldn't say enemy, but they haven't been best friends, him and Betu, who is on trial <laughs> now. So Betu has... ...said that Pell was responsible for these transactions. And that, of course, made Pell very mad. And he basically called out betchu for, for not saying the truth. So we have two cardinals. One is a... Well, they are actually both cardinals still. Betchu was stripped of his privileges, but technically he's still a cardinal. So we have two cardinals, both with very questionable background, blaming each other for... Uh, losing four hundred million euros. So it's very interesting developments. We'll see what happens there. The the trial is still ongoing and we don't know what's going to happen. But there is another aspect of the whole thing, as if this was not sensational enough. This has highlighted a big problem. For course part of part of Bethu's defense has been that he was just following orders, if you will. That doesn't sound good, but he's saying that he was just doing what he was told by the higher ups. And very close to the higher-ups is Frankie himself. So what if Petu is correct? And he was actually doing things that the Pope and Parolin and others were telling him to do. Then we have a problem with the system as well. Because the Pope is the head of the legal system in the Vatican. We all know the Pope is a dictator of sorts. He may be a benevolent dictator but he is a dictator technically he
0: is yeah yeah Yeah. he can Mm -hmm. he
1: his word is an absolute monarchy his word is law literally law he can change the law by writing a proclamation so what if you criticize the guy who is in charge of the laws for breaking the laws you don't have anybody to appeal to except i guess god he seldom replies on these matters so It highlights a systematic problem within the organization of the Vatican. Very interesting. We'll see how it all ends. But that is just one of the stories for today. (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I haven't actually checked up too much on is that one of the cardinals have been arrested in Hong Kong for being involved in funding of subversive movements there. We know there's a problem in Hong Kong. China is trying to enforce a lot of things on Hong Kong, and there's a lot of protests. One cardinal called Joseph Sen has been arrested for being involved in allegedly raising money to fund the protests there. So... That is interesting. We'll see how Frankie will react to that. Then we have another thing happening. Cardinal Parolin, which I've already mentioned, he is more and more sailing up to be a favorite to be the next pope, actually. Well, it's very hard to predict who the next pope is going to be, but he is in the running. He has been uh, busy as well. He has launched a praying app or some sort of app for military personnel. So... This is something that is supposed to give military troops guidance and help when they're out fighting wars. And I'm sure this has to do with a war in Ukraine issued by, we all know who, Putin. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now we have Catholic apps to combat Putin somehow. Or at least making sure that the, the Ukraine soldiers keep a high morale. Interesting and the last thing, just to mention, Frankie himself, he tries to stay out of all of this. He, he never comments on any of this. You you know that. So the big news about him this week is that he has said now he had his knee operation or there was an injection in his knee. And now he has to do physiotherapy and, and abide with some rules <laughs> by the from, mm-hmm. from his physicians. And he says... Well, I'd rather take a little tequila. That's what he said in an interview just the other day. So <laughs> interesting choice of words there. We'll see what Frankie is doing. I hope he don't he doesn't get too drunk because he has a lot of other stuff that he has to take care of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it's a cultural thing, isn't it? That- yeah, yeah, yeah. He's from Argentina, <laughs> after all. So. Yeah, exactly. But tequila is so, Mexican, isn't it? So, but anyway, it yeah. is
0: Mexican. But I think I think in, in South America, it's um it's, it's relatively popular.
1: Yeah.
0: Good. Yeah. You mentioned you mentioned the Russians and and how praying is being encouraged you know, on both sides. The the thing is
1: that they both
0: pray to the same God. Mm-hmm,
1: Yeah. Hmm. So, <laughs> But they have different representatives here on Earth. One of them have uh, Frankie and the others have Kirill. So we'll see who gets uh, God's attention. Who's God's, God's favourite, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God could be a total dick about this. Has happened
0: before. <laughs> don't don't favour either of them yeah. and just screw with both of them. Mm. That seems <laughs> to be the case. All right. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you very much, Pontus, for poking the Pope once again. He's been busy lately. Mm-hmm. Or his guys, at least, but he's responsible for all of that. As you said, he's a monarch of an absolute monarchy, so it's whatever. But we are moving on to other kinds of news.
2: Yes. And I want to talk about other kinds of cardinals or slash liars.
1: <laughs> cardinal liars?
2: Yes.
0: Oh, it's a cardinal issue. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because I want to talk about a study where they try to find out how you can expose liars. Apparently, lie detection is more successful if liars are made to multitask. So in this study, 164 volunteers gave their opinions and they were told to either tell the truth or lie. And then the scientists gave them different tasks to do. And apparently the extra brain power... Like, it's particularly challenging to keep up the lies if you have to do another task. So, the lies turned less plausible and the stories were less clear of the liars. And this works because lying takes up more cognitive energy than telling the truth. <laughs> so, it's uh, <laughs> one of the uh, reasons truth. why I
1: try not to lie. Yeah,
2: yeah exactly.
1: It's because easier. I don't
2: want to spend the brain power on that. <laughs> Only that, just like nothing to do with ethics or morality or anything.
0: I always say that the reason why I don't lie is because I'm not clever enough for that.
2: To remember the, the lies, yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm just, just
0: too simple of a mind for that. I don't bother. <laughs> well, in ge-
2: uh, in German, we have a saying that is "Lügen haben kurze Beine." Lies have short legs. <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah. And it's it's just so
2: true. Yeah, it's like you'll forget it or you will get like caught in it. But yeah, in this study, they found out that it's only effective, like this way of (laughs) exposing liars um, if the liar cannot neglect the second task. So if it's a task that they can just like push away and then focus on the lying again, then it doesn't work. But something they can't neglect for example driving a car simulator then it works like it their their stories will still be less plausible so yeah i found that really interesting and i hope there won't be more research <laughs> coming out about that because that's just uh nice to to know <laughs> hmm.
0: Yeah, and it, apparently it works. Uh, yeah, I skimmed through that mm-hmm. article as well, and uh, apparently it works better than the usual lie detectors. Yeah, so it's much more reliable <laughs> <laughs> because those yeah the the polygraph just doesn't work. I no, mean, it's right. it's it's been much, though, yeah. no. proven many many times mm-hmm. not to work, and yet yes. it's still an operation in many many countries in so uh, for, for authorities yes so wrong <laughs> and they defend it like crazy i mean i've had very heated discussions about that with people and the more involved they are in the using of these uh, polygraphs the more ardent they are about it mm. all right speaking of uh, lies and made-up stories and uh, things like that Nessie's back Oh,
2: nice. (laughs) So
0: we're talking about the the Loch Ness Monster. Loch Ness is a beautiful, wonderful lake up in the Scottish Highlands, right next to the beautiful uh, city of Inverness. As you you all know, it's an ongoing thing that people come and see stuff and see signs of some kind of activity under the water, on the surface of the water. And um, uh, some have even gone to very great length into describing what they saw even when there was no absolutely no evidence to back those claims up and this time it's a fascinating video that's been released by a couple who just didn't didn't go there to prove the existence of Nessie. Uh, they just went there to have some fun because the beautiful because of the beautiful scenery. They visited Urquhart Castle. Urquhart Castle is, is 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 a wonderful place as well. And one morning, when the s- surface of the water was flat like a mirror, <laughs> they saw a V-shaped thing moving. And there is video footage of that. It's a two and a half minute video footage. But uh, what followed this is absolutely phenomenal. And it's very typical to these sightings. Because then, even though the footage doesn't do justice to any of those claims, they claim to have seen an object or something that was uh, like a mysterious creature, as they called it that was between 20 and 30 feet in length
1: sorry but that but was not
0: on the video it was not on the video and oh uh, what they, a shame they saw so at least if you if you watch the video which you can you will not see <laughs> any oh, of those details that they explain. <laughs> And but there is an expert, or at least uh, self-proclaimed expert Gary Campbell, who's been investigating these uh, Nessie sightings for 26 years and logging all of these sightings, occasionally claiming very boldly that there have been tens of thousands of... I think it wasn't them, it it was some other so-called experts that claimed that there have been 20,000 reports of Loch Ness, of a Loch Ness monster over the years. Hmm. Well, there are still thousands, but they don't agree on basically anything. So it could be, it could be whatever you imagine it to be. The the earliest one was in this from the sixth century when Saint Columba travelled the area and the first story that is known and documented about some kind of a monster was there but it's totally understandable and it's probably more to do with the mindset and the way that the people of the highland lived and there was a lot of turmoil over the centuries and they had to fight for the place as well so Having some kind of a beast that's that's haunting the place is only understandable. But the Renaissance, the modern emergence of the story, started in the 1930s and it has been going on ever since. But without any proper hard evidence for the existence of any kind of monster let alone some kind of a plesiosaur that uh, that some people have been describing it as since the 1930s so uh, yet another claim of the sizing of an actual creature has emerged but I think it's more useful for the tourism of the area because, well, it's been a, couple, a little bit quiet in the last two years. So, uh, yeah, people should pr- probably go and check it out. I'm going to go, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good. At the beginning of, of uh, June, I am going on a tour with Hungarian tourists to the Scottish Highlands, which I'm nice. really excited about. I really want to go. Get back as soon as possible. I've been missing the place.
1: Keep keep that video rolling
0: at all times. Don't (laughs) shut it off. I will. I will.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um something that also shouldn't be ever shut off is our sceptical senses, right? Our critical thinking.
0: Definitely. Mm. Definitely.
2: And there's a museum in Dresden that wants to dedicate an exhibition to fake news that will teach you to yeah, think more critically
0: that will teach you how to think
2: critically. Yes. <laughs> the, <laughs> right. the Hygienics uh, Museum in Dresden will give fake news, yeah, it's own exhibition. And mm-hmm. that's actually not fake news. <laughs> 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 they have they have um, a fictional bureau or office where you have to turn on your skeptical senses. It's very interactive. Um you're going to different rooms and collect stamps. That's pretty much reminiscent of a German office or institution, where you also get like your little scraps of paper that has a number, and then you have to go to the to the desk that has the same number, and then you have to collect a stamp and go to another desk and um that's pretty much exactly what they're doing there. But they uh you have to like decide if what a person on a screen tells you if that's the truth or not. And in the end, um, they will tell you like the truth needs you. <laughs> keep 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 thinking.
0: <laughs> the truth needs you.
2: <laughs> and I, I found that really awesome. Like I, I wish it would be closer to Dresden because then I would just go there and check that out myself. It's uh, pretty mm. pretty cool.
0: <laughs> it's good they're they're doing it in an interactive way. Yes. I, I I think it's more engaging and and it will grab more attention.
2: Definitely. Really good. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. So, with all those news already discussed, I'm really eager to find out who's been really wrong lately.
1: Scientology has been on the retreat over the last several years, I think a decade or more. We don't know exactly how many members they have nowadays, but they have been very quiet following uh, the bad press that they've gotten for a long time but they haven't gone away one tried and true tactic is to work through sub-organisations without openly declaring that it's linked to scientology it's probably the same in in all countries but maybe the names are a little bit different in sweden there are more than 30 known organisations that are part of scientology and many of them do not declare that openly that that says something about your organisation when you have to hide who you're working for, right?
2: Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Some Spooky. name
1: Yeah. Some names that you may recognize also from abroad is Citizens Commission on Human Rights. That doesn't sound like Scientology, but it is. The Way to Happiness. That sounds fishy in its own right, but it's also linked to uh, Scientology. Some organizations are more specifically named for for each country. There is something called the National Organization for a Drug-Free Sweden. That's also a Scientology organization. And they are also known as Drug-Free Now or Drug Information Now. A lot of what they're saying, of course, is that they fight drug abuse. The real famous one to talk about drugs within Scientology is Narconon which I think most people have heard of, because they, in the beginning, in the 60s, didn't try to hide the link to Scientology. So that was their mistake. And Now they're working <laughs> through other uh, brands or other organizations. Anyway, the thing is that the link between these various organizations and Scientology is not super secret anymore. It has been covered many, many times in the media But despite that, Drug Free Now, which I mentioned, now and then manages to con some schools to invite them to talk to students. Because it sounds great, right? Okay, here come some experts to tell the students of why drugs are dangerous and how you can avoid it. But it is actually just a scam. It's a cover-up to preach Scientology. So, that's schools, that happens, but there's also very often a, a big backlash when, when that happens. But now, the latest thing is that advertisements have appeared on the local trains and the underground system in, in Stockholm. And the ads are directed to parents, and the header is, quote, Worried? Question mark. How can I talk to my child about drugs? Question mark. Get information! End quote. And then there's a QR code that goes to the website of Drug Free Now. So now it's been on all the trains in the local system around, in and around Stockholm. And it's just a Scientology scam. So
2: great. Not cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And
1: they should know by now. I mean, everybody should know by now. It's been in the papers so many times over the years. But for still not having a clue, or for having been tricked into advertising what is no more than a Scientology cover up SL which is the name of the Stockholm local train service they get today's prize for being really wrong
2: well deserved
1: yeah the advertising team should do their
0: research yeah yeah but uh, who knows there might not be not even be a, any kind of uh, company policy for those
1: well, well, then that they're, they're really wrong follow. for that reason. Yeah. Then, because they should have <laughs> so a policy to way. avoid these things.
0: Exactly. Either way, they are be really wrong. Okay. Thank you very much for that, Pontus. Thank you. And that brings us to the end of the show. I mean, for, for this episode. <laughs> uh, but we never go without a quote. So, Annika, have you got something for us?
2: Yes. And it's a long quote, but it's by Heinz Oberhummer. It's also, um, it's from his... Sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's from his book that he wrote with Martin Puttigam and Werner Gruber. And the book is called Gedankenlesen durch Scheckenstreicheln, was wir von Tieren über Physik lernen können. Or in English, Mind Reading. it's <laughs> called that. Mind Reading through stroking Pinto horses, what we can learn from animals about physics. <laughs> Nice. And the quote is sorry, sorry, what's a Pinter horse? Oh, it's like a horse that has different like splotches.
1: Oh, okay, so with spot spots on okay. Spots, yeah. Okay, <laughs> right,
0: okay, good.
2: Learned um, something new today. Yeah, exactly. And
0: Pinter is just a good name.
2: <laughs> yeah, it yeah. is a good yeah. name,
1: by the way. Can't go wrong. Pinter horse
2: and Pinto <laughs> horse. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's right. The Garber horses though, we don't want to deal with those. <laughs> no, no, no. But
2: Andrew no. is the best. <laughs> Okay, the quote so the next time someone comes to you, we humans have lost touch with the old knowledge, we have to go back to nature, then ask him where you have to go and whether you should bring rain protection and be in a good mood. Not that it would be a good idea to use up the resources of our planet as if there were no tomorrow, but where man lives strictly in harmony with nature, it is usually not comfortable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> hey, no that's right nature is out to get you all yes. the time whether it's rain or tigers there's always something out to get you
2: exactly yeah, especially when
1: you're in australia so Anika, be, be careful with yes, that when you're, you're
0: there next time i will
2: <laughs> but i won't be alone who knows
0: well, well all right so um that really brings us to the end of this episode I might be off uh, next week because tomorrow as of the day of this recording I'm leaving for Sicily so I'm going to southern Italy slacker yeah <laughs> Horse. Um, it's 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 gonna be a blast I think I always love Sicily it's it's an amazing place I will get to visit a couple of uh, volcanoes including not necessarily volcano itself because uh, it's a b- rather active uh, recently but also Etna. I can't wait to, to see it again but yeah I won't be home yet for for the next recording and in in when when in in Sicily it's always difficult to record I hope you guys can can both make it.
2: Mm, hope and so too. And
0: for this week, I'd like to thank both of you, Onika and Pontus, for joining me today. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And many thanks to our listeners as well for tuning in. Please keep doing so. And until next week, goodbye. Tschüss. Hello. This
2: Guerilla, Go- yes, Go- yeah. sca- a very Spanish to say that.
0: Sorry, you were saying something, Pontus. No, no, sorry, <laughs> I, pro- I interrupted you with something. Yeah, no, that was good. Do it again. Okay, <laughs> do it again, <laughs> but only if it's that good. Okay.
1: <laughs> One cardinal, and I wish I knew what his name is, and I'll look it up right now. And it is. And if you list all the earlier sightings of
0: some kind of a monster, you say that again? uh sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say that
2: again?
1: Siri keeps talking back to me. Uh, ki- uh, uh not kick not kickback, what do you get? What do you get back?
2: Lash back, something like that? Uh, yeah, uh, not lash back. Backlash? Backlash. 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 Well I,
1: uh, wow. <laughs> A hard. <laughs> English is hard. Yes. <laughs>